Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Classes podcast interview. I am Monique Holm, the host on the show. I interview badass, amazing real estate investor goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate space. And today I'm so excited to have back Ellie Perlman, who I interviewed quite a few years ago. And I was talking about her bio that I had from before. Then she was crushing it. She had come from Israel and not underprivileged background to at the time owning $250 million worth of real estate. Now it's over $750 million. She's 3X'd in, I don't know, is that three years? Super impressive. And she's a real estate investor, owns multifamily properties across the United States. She's a founder and CEO of Blue Lake Capital, a real estate investing firm specializing in multifamily acquisition and management. And she helps investors grow their wealth by investing alongside her in large multifamily deals. I've been very honored and excited to have partnered with her in several deals that love, love, love her as a sponsor. She started her career as a commercial real estate lawyer, leading real estate transactions for Israel's largest real estate company. And later, she transitioned to a property manager role and oversaw properties worth over $100 million. She holds a master's of law and an MBA from MIT. She's a Forbes author. She has her own podcast in her spare time. She works out, drives sports cars, eats black diamonds, invests in startups, and is now raising a beautiful baby daughter. So I'm so happy to have her. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you, Monique. I'm really, really excited to be here. And yeah, we've partnered before. Always great, you know, to work with you and to buy real estate together. And yeah, I think it was two, maybe three years when I was on your podcast. Haven't been doing a lot of those recently. So that reminds me of how fun it is. So I really appreciate you having me today. I appreciate you being here and also being featured in the book, which I thought I had near me, but let me grab it. Your new book, I'm Best Like a Goss, which is the number one bestseller. Y'all grab it, <laughs> grab your copy. Uh, Ellie's wisdom is featured in that book and her story is super inspiring and she's done a lot of amazing things. I wanted to ask her though, and I've shared her bio, which is uber impressive. Ellie, can you share something with us that is not in your bio and most people don't know about you? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty much an open book. So I think people know most. A lot of what I've experienced and where I came from, it's all out there. So I think people know pretty much almost everything there is to know. Growing up in the house that I've been part of as a child really shaped the way that I see the world and the way that I treat investors as well. And I think people who came from nothing, it doesn't matter how successful they're going to be. There's always that voice in their head saying, you have to push forward. You have to keep going because they've tasted how it's like not having money, not being able to pay, you know, to buy even food or pay your rent and had to borrow that money. 
it's not an experience that you're ever forgetting. It's the drive and the power that keeps you going. But to your question, something that people don't know about me, I don't actually think that many people know that I became a mom recently. So so basically with work and I was on a conference call four hours or three and a half hours after I gave birth because there was things going on. We still need to keep going. And I actually never took a maternity leave, my toughest boss, apparently. So I don't know if many people know that, actually. Hey, goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, how to get started in real estate investing as a busy professional woman. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. Four hours after you gave birth, you were on a conference call? Yeah. I mean, you can take a call from the hospital bed and (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to lift anything. I didn't need to build a house or actually renovate the unit and rip the carpet off. You can do it from laying in bed. So So that's hardcore. (laughs) Hardcore. Yeah. (laughs) Because giving birth is actually might be more work than like building a house. Physically, it is incredibly taxing and hard on the body. That's intense. You were, that's wild. I found out recently that you had a beautiful (laughs) new daughter, but I didn't realize that you were on a conference call just hours after giving birth. That's next level. Okay, so, you know, you might've already talked about that, but I had you on, your portfolio is about the third of the size. What are you investing in now? What's something that's exciting you in terms of investing? There are many different things that we're doing right now. We're actually working on a debt fund. We're establishing a debt fund and I see the opportunity in the market. And so there's a lot of borrowers that need reasonably priced loans. And this is where we can step in because the alternative is not great and interest rates keep rising. And we feel it also how that impacts us. And so Every time there is a struggle or pain, I'm thinking not only how I can fix it, but how can I benefit of this situation? And basically, because that's one of the things that actually most, if not all operators deal with, with increasing interest rates, this is also presenting an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe we can be the lenders and maybe we can bring a little bit more flexibility and maybe slightly better terms so we can do more volume. And then take advantage of the situation in a market right now so we can move quickly and invest in other avenues that involve debt. So that's something exciting that I'm you know, working on. I've been hearing from my investors a lot, you know, this question, what else do you have besides with the family? Which is great. It's beautiful. We love the returns and the, the risk mitigation that investing in multifamily has, but we want to diversify. We want to invest in more asset classes and more vehicles. And so a debt vehicle right now where we are in this stage of the economy would be the wisest also thing to do. I am not thinking put all your money in one, you know, all your eggs in one basket, but diversify, especially when there's a short 60, 90 days window for liquidity, then in any case, if you need it, you can take it out. But this is one of the most exciting things that I'm working on right now. That is really cool. So would you be lending to multifamily investors? the borrowers that you're focused on? We would lend to basically either individuals or contractors. 
And it's basically a short-term kind of bridge debt. This is what we're focused on. Fascinating. As our economy is changing, your focus is on helping people with the lending as the lending terms get more stringent yeah. and money gets more expensive and harder to acquire. Absolutely. You know, perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think so. This podcast, I'm focusing on advice because you know, the books go invest like a goddess advice from the most successful women in real estate. And I think that what I heard there is something is an advice, like a couple of nuggets that people could take just listening to your story that would be advice. And one is when challenges are presented, wherever there's a challenge, there's a solution that could be a business opportunity. I love that. So looking, finding challenges and going, okay, where's the opportunity here to help others and to benefit? Beautiful. There's always an opportunity, always. When COVID hit, and no one was buying real estate assets, that was an opportunity. And that's when we were willing to take a risk and buy an asset that we bought a certain amount and then sold at a certain amount that was about 22 to 25 million more less than about 18 months later. There was a pain, which meant that no one knew what was going to happen. And a lot of investors did not want to take the risk, but that presented an opportunity so as long as you're willing to face the consequences, because obviously every opportunity has the potential for making profit, but also to not work as you want. And as long as you're willing to take that risk, then maybe seven out of 10, eight nine, or nine out of 10 times, you'll be able to make a profit out of a situation that could be pretty scary to others. And so it's always finding that right balance between seizing an opportunity and understanding the risk and calculating and understanding whether you're comfortable with taking that risk. I know there's some investors out there that are much more aggressive than I am. So they're willing, for instance, to buy assets that are 20% or 30% occupied, not basically forgo all cash flow for six to eight months. And during that time, they're filling up the units. For me, personally, it doesn't work right now because I like cash flow. I think cash is king. And so with inflation, I may need to revisit the statement, but I like to make decisions based on calculated risks. And I don't like the risk factor to be very high, which is kind of being an attorney. It's what sticks with you. Be aware of risks. So yeah, there's always risk. It's just how can you mitigate it and how can you deal with it? All right. So what's the best life advice you've ever received? The best life advice that I've ever received was to never look back. Don't waste your time thinking about the past because you cannot change it. I do like to look at the past through a certain angle, which is certain lens of taking notes, learning what went wrong. And so it's not going to happen again. But don't look back at the past and if it's not really beneficial in any way. That was a sound advice. And I'm still working on it. But for the most part, I never look back and say, oh, I could have, should have, would have. And because then you're basically wasting time that you could have focusing on how to improve the future, how to make it better for you. It's time wasted. So I wasted on something you cannot change. You can change your future and your present and focus on that. Either look back or to your sides to compare yourself to others or look back to how you used to be or a situation, an opportunity that you didn't seize. It's really, I mean, it could be soul crushing and time consuming. And if you've invested this time building your future and working on the future, it's just better for you and for the people around you. So that was probably the best advice I've ever gotten. That's great. 
learn the lessons and accept the past and keep looking forward. And what's the best financial advice you've ever gotten? That's a tough one because I don't come from a family that guided me when it came to financial, just trying to think financial advice. I would say probably advice that I got later on was to you know, never invest more than you're willing to lose. And once you're in that mindset, you say, okay, worst case scenario, I'm losing the principle. Can I still survive? Is anything fundamental going to change in my life? And if the answer is no, besides, yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm going to be disappointed. And it's not a desirable outcome. But when you have that mindset, then when things don't work the way you want, you have the mental kind of stability and stamina to move forward. Besides real estate, I invest as an angel investor. And many companies, it just doesn't work out. And I lose the principle. But those that are successful, they more than compensate for all the other losses. But at the time of the loss, if I was mourning for every dollar that I've lost, it would have made it impossible for me to be an angel investor. And so I'm always investing the amount that I'm comfortable losing, knowing at least with real estate, there's not a very high likelihood for that to happen across the board, unlike venture capital, which is a bit different. The amount of money that or the percentage of your net worth that you're willing to risk, the appetite for risk changes from one person to another. And it's based on your status in life, whether you have dependents or not, your personality, your background, wealth, obviously, that you've accumulated. And as long as you have that certain number in that, you make sure that you're comfortable with that risk, then you should do it. What's the worst advice you could give someone? The worst advice? I like that question. The worst advice would be don't take debt. And I think that there's a misconception with many people that you need to make enough money to be debt-free. And debt-free is not necessarily a good thing. If you're borrowing money to buy clothes and pay your credit card bills, yes, that's bad. But if you're borrowing money to leverage it and to buy assets and grow your wealth, then that's a great thing. And so I know there are other people out there that are really against debt. There might be a maybe mix in between personal debt and business debt, but I think the worst advice that anyone can give anyone else is avoid debt like the plague. And I think if it's done in a smart and conservative way, debt can be a wonderful thing. Right now with increasing interest rates, it's obviously debt is a bit different, but being debt-free meaning, for instance, it would not make any sense to buy multifamily. The numbers are very different if you put 100% the money that you need from equity, from investors' equity, or if it's out of pocket. So just be smart around debt, but don't try and avoid it altogether because it's really, really hard to grow without it. Yeah, absolutely. I know this part of this Dave Ramsey school, like no debt, don't buy anything with any debt. I was like, yeah, it's you don't buy consumer like purses and shoes with debt. That's silly. But buying yeah. cash, so borrowing at 5%, something that's making you 10, 12%, like that's how you build wealth, right? Using OPM. Yeah. I think he's talking to a different audience. I think he's talking to those who are underwater with personal debt and they can't yeah. get a break. Yeah, and obviously, I've spoken to people from that school that are like, they buy real estate all cash because that's what they've learned from Dave Ramsey. And it's like, they just buy cash. <laughs> it's like, you could put 20%, you can have five properties cash line, but one, yep. all cash, yep. you just can leverage much more. Well, I mean, that's another word for debt, it's leverage. 
you can't really grow when fear is what you see in front of you. And when you put debt as something, when you picture it as something dark, scary, and negative, then you try to avoid it like the plague. You should just be smart about it and just look at the wealthiest people in the world. Has anyone, any of them, give me one that is buying assets cash. And these guys have billions of dollars. None of them. They're all leveraged debt. So if you want to be successful, learn what the wealthy and the successful businessmen are doing. And none of them are avoiding debt. So I always like to look at those who succeed in a certain arena if I wanted to excel in that arena and try and learn what they're doing right. That's one of the things that they've been doing right. They leveraged the right amount at the right time, but they did not avoid debt altogether. It's very hard to grow that way. I think it's bad advice. (laughs) (laughs) Some very popular people give that advice. (laughs) And I agree. (laughs) So who do you turn to for advice? a very, very good question. I like to chat with my husband about a lot of personal things. I think on the business side, the advice that I get is from books. I get a lot of inspirations. All the answers are actually there. So I'm learning from people who have Steve Schwartzman, people who have started huge companies, how they scaled those companies. So without knowing, they're my mentors. Maybe one day have a conversation with them face-to-face, but these are the people that I look for for advice. And I was thinking about hiring a business coach, but unless you really started a company and took it to the next level and, and took it public and grew it to a household name company, I think you're just a bit limited in how much you can help me if you haven't done it before. But if you've done it before, you're not really interested in talking to people who are growing their companies and scaling them. So I have several mentors who just don't know that they're my mentors, but it changed one day. <laughs> so what's the book that you're reading now? What, who are you like? You said Steve Schwartzman? That's fun. Yeah, I've been reading his book, actually, What It Takes, and it's a great book. The opening scene is him and his partner who passed away since then. Then he outside in Cambridge, outside MIT, endow- the endowment committee, and it started pouring rain, and they realized that these guys never showed up. They went home. And... This is fascinating story. I keep picking the book. It's on my coffee table. I take it up once in a while and read different parts to remind myself how to do it. So that's one of the books that I've been reading. And also uh, Measure What Matters, which is a book for that I highly recommend for any business owner, basically focusing you on what really matters and how to get actual results and not spread too thin. Because the first thing you do when you get up, you're tempted to answer 5,000 emails and execute a lot of different tasks to clean your to-do list and feel good about yourself. But are they really bringing you value? And it's very easy and tempting to do that. And this was one of my biggest sins as well, but it's not what's going to take your business to the next level. So what do you do? How do you measure what really matters and how do you execute a plan that is going to help position you to extract the best value out of you so you can take your company to the next level? So good. All right. What it takes to measure what matters. I'm going to add those yeah. to my hand. Amazon <laughs> part. Since we're done. All right. And what's the best advice you have for a woman investing in real estate? And how did you learn this? So I had a mentor that actually knew that I was a mentee. <laughs> I like Steve Schwartzman. And if you hear that, we'd love to grab coffee with you. So I was actually looking for several mentors and I interviewed a bunch of them. And I realized that there was one of them that really scaled quickly. and this is the person that I knew could teach me how to scale quickly because I wanted to grow fast. 
So that's how I learned real estate. In addition to, you know, at MIT, I did my MBA degree, but I also took classes at the real estate school there. So that was another part of negotiating real estate currencies that I picked up and running models at MIT. And so that's how I learned about real estate and about investing. And the best advice I can give women, trust your gut when you're talking and actually men, women, aliens, babies, anyone who's investing, trust your gut when it comes to investing with someone, when you're talking with them. If it doesn't feel quite right, don't do it. Everyone can sound great on the phone and the marketing materials are fantastic. But pay attention to that little voice inside of you that is telling you, yes, this could be great or I don't know about this opportunity. Listen to that voice. I think many women have a tendency to kind of quiet that voice down and look more. These are emotions. Let's put them aside. And I think let that voice speak a little bit when you're interacting with a sponsor that you are considering you know, investing with. Do you think that this guy or gal are great when you're chatting with them right now? When things are not going to work as well, because it's an investment, like any investment, there's inherent you know, risk. Do you trust these people to tell you the truth? Do you think that they're going to be dedicated to manage the investment in your money the best way possible? So listen to that little voice. It's often accurate. Hey, goddess, are you self-managing your properties? I want to tell you about Rent Ready. It's a really awesome property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone, collect rent online and get paid, find the perfect tenant with their screening and listing services, and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using Rent Ready's app too. They can pay rent using their cards, ACH or cash, set up auto pay, get renter's insurance, and even build their credit score. What's awesome is that Rent Ready is unlimited and flat price. No tricks or hidden fees. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And Rent Ready has given us an amazing deal to pass on to our Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast listeners. You can get Rent Ready's annual plan for only $54 at rentready.com when you use our special code GODDESS. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code G-O-D-D-E-S-S. Go to rentready.com to get Rent Ready's annual plan for the special goddess price of only $54 flat fee. And thanks to Rent Ready for being our awesome sponsor. I've always listened to my gut. When I haven't, I've lived to regret it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I've never regretted listening to it. (laughs) And I've regretted ignoring it. (laughs) For sure. So before we go into our famed end of show trinity, to brag a gratitude and a desire, what's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to find out more? So if you Google my name, Ellie Perlman, you're probably going to see my website, bluelakecapital.com. So you can either Google my name or go to my website, bluelake-capital.com. You can also find it at ellieperlman.com, actually. (laughs) Yes. I'm not sure if this one was kind of combined with Blue Lakes. Right now it's Blue Lakes. Yeah. It'll rewrite me. Yeah. Yeah. You can leave your information there. And one of my team members is going to see the form and will reach out to you. I think it's under Invest With Us. Then on the website that you can see, you can read about asking about my story about track record, the portfolios, and our investment strategy. And so there's Invest With Us tab that you can add your information in. That's the best way to connect with me. Awesome. Okay. So now it's time for the Trinity. This is a brag of gratitude and desire. So what's one thing you're celebrating right now? What is your brag? One of the assets that we've exited when we were willing to take the risk and had investors trust in us 
And so we purchased the asset during the beginning of the pandemic. And so we basically exited the asset at over 40% IRR, less than half the, the time. So it was after 18 or 20 months uh, since purchase. And so this was always a great opportunity for investors to kind of celebrate with us. But that's one of my biggest brags that we were able to perform. Even it was a little bit scary at first to invest, but we put the deal under contract. We didn't know what was going to happen if investors would be interested in the deal and turn out to be much better than we've expected. So well, Brad, what is one thing that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my investors, period. I think it's phenomenal that investors, they trust me with their money, with their children's money, and they're willing to reinvest over and over and over again. It can get better than this when someone is actually trusting you with one of the things that they worked so hard for. This is the one thing that I keep. And every time we exit a deal and we've exited several deals to date, it's always feeling of gratitude towards investors because without them, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Beautiful. And last but not least, what's one desire? One desire to take the company and make it a billion dollar company, make it a big company. And so that's what I'm working on right now. You are so close. I know you're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) So shall your desire be so much better than you can imagine. Thank you so much. It's awesome always to talk with you and get your wisdom and brilliance. So it was a a pleasure. And congrats on on baby. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you for having me, Winnie. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And make sure you subscribe and join us next time for another Real Estate Investor Fast podcast interview. Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.